In these uncertain days, there is a person who offers peace. His name is Jesus. People from all walks of life are gathering in his house to hear from him. It's time for you to join the movement. Well, when we come to Acts chapter 9 and, and verse 31, here's the good news that we read. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had, here it is, they had peace and was being built up. They were walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Now lean in, here it is, look close, it multiplied. You see, we read last week this great good news that enemies became brothers and how that, that God took that terrorist by the name of Saul and redeemed him and brought him into the family of God. And we rejoiced together in the power of the gospel. Anybody got any Sauls living around you? I do. And I was one at one point in my life and God got me. But I want you to hear this now, that the news began to spread everywhere that the greatest enemy of the church has been won, and so they had some peace. So today, as I, I stand before you today, the good news is this, that God is redeeming people and God's growing people, God's using us in a tremendous way. But there, there may be something, there just may be something in your life that maybe is a wall that's preventing you from that next step of what God has for you. So, Pastor, I'm, I'm not understanding you at all. Well, well, the New Testament church had a wall, and it'd be kind of hard. You, you may be in shock to hear it today because of the great success they had, but there was the wall that they, they had hit. And, and I think that some of you, you've, you've gotten so used to the wall, you're painting your wall. You've accepted your wall. You, you put decorations on your wall. You're just busy at the wall. You're kind of like the children of Israel are today. If you go to Israel today, they pray at the Western Wall. I have been there, Allison, and, and I've watched them stick their prayers in the wall and pieces of paper. Dan, you've been there. They, they stuck their pieces of paper in the wall because they're hoping that Yahshua is going to come. I've got news. The Messiah has already come. And he's coming again. But think about this. Think what happens today when, when we have walls up. There are several things, write these down. Number one is this. We present, prevent ourselves from accomplishing kingdom work. You know, you have a choice. John Maxwell said that this way. He said this, either you can curse the darkness or you can turn on the light. You can either curse the darkness or you can turn on the light. Second, we present, prevent ourselves. Now, notice this as it comes on the screen. We prevent ourselves from kingdom fellowship. The truth is that, that you and I as believers, if we have some walls up, we might, be, we might be living with less than what we could be living with. Thirdly, we, watch this, we, we also prevent others from joining the kingdom. John Maxwell also said this in a message I listened to this past week. He said this, it is critical that you understand that if people don't like you, they probably will not like your God. Now, I love you. We're brothers and sisters in Christ in this room. But if they don't like you, probably they might not like you. Now, sometimes it may be their wall, may be their problem. And a lot of times it probably is. But there are other times it may be the way that we're conducting ourselves at the wall and at the lid that, that a lot of people just kind of pull away from us. And lastly is this, we prevent others from, for, listen to this, from, from exiting a life of bondage. We may be keeping people where they are. A pastor said this. I was recently listening to a message, and, and he said this, that he discovered that he was the blood clot that was robbing the flow of life from his church. I don't know if that's you or you are in your life or not, I, I, because this message is really encouraging today. But I'm telling you this, that there, there's some walls that need to be tore down. So, so think about this question today. Do we have spiritual walls that are hindering us? 
In chapter 9 and verse 31, it didn't seem like there were any walls at all. If you, if you look in chapter 9 and verse 32 as we proceed forward now, just thinking about these things. Now, as Peter went here and there among them all, now that, that's kind of, uh, kind of a loaded statement there, among them all, among the Jews, the Judeans who were Jews, the Samaritans who were half Jews, in other words, among his family. He came down also to the saints who lived in Lydda, and there he found a man by the name of Aeneas, who was bedridden for eight years and who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, uh, Jesus Christ, now watch this, heals you. Now, do you believe in miracles? I do. Now, watch what he says here. Rise and make your bed. Now, if you're going to need your bed, you're probably not going to make it unless your wife or husband, somebody comes and rips the sheets off the bed to wash it, correct? You're, not going, to, you're going to stay in the bed. So he says, you're not going to need this bed, so get up and, and make it up. And immediately, he rose. Now, I, I believe this. The Scripture is clear. And all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Not only was there a physical healing, there was a spiritual healing. It all looks good. Can I tell you that you're in a church, that it all looks good? I just did the numbers. We're nearing 30 this weekend. Two weekends from now, we'll baptize again. Over 30 people have been baptized this year in the body of Christ here. Hundreds have professed Christ. We've got families getting ready to top 60 families that are members that have joined this church this year. But that kind of looks good. kind of looks good in comparison to the world. But I'm telling you, we are at a wall we are at a, at a wall that God is wanting us to get beyond. But don't get discouraged by, the, by what you're hearing today. Get encouraged because, because listen to me, there's, there's blessings at the wall, but there's blessings beyond the wall. Look what he says in verse 36. Now, there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which was translated to mean beautiful or Dorcas, a gazelle. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days, she became ill and she died. Pretty simple story. And, and when they'd washed her, they laid her in the upper room. Now, friends, listen to me. That's unusual because what they would have done is washed and prepared the body for burial, buried that day. But for some reason, they did not do that in that moment. So, so since Lydda was near Joppa, the, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come up to us without delay. So Peter rose, just like Jesus had done in his day. So Peter rose up. And he went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood there beside him, weeping and showing the garments and other garments that Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside. Sometimes I believe this, that God has to put us outside so that he can do the miracle apart from us. Because God will not work miracles of faith if you don't believe in miracles of faith. He's just not going to do it. You say, well, God, if you just do it, I believe that. God doesn't work that way. It's by our faith. You see it so many times. It's by, by we, it's faith that works alongside of that. Brother Larry, somebody was teaching that the other night to us. They work in, in, together. And so the scripture says here, he put them out. He knelt down and he prayed. And he turned to the body. Now watch this. That means this, brothers and sisters. When he turned, he's turning to a corpse. He turned to a corpse and he said, Tabitha, arise. Now, if you'd been in the room, what would you have done? Would you have believed? Would you not have believed? Now, watch this. It's according to what your wall is. And she opened her eyes. Whoa, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. A corpse opened his eyes. Now, what's the deal here? And the scripture says, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hands and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. Why aren't you shouting? Why aren't you believing? Why aren't you rejoicing? Why am I not rejoicing in the miracles of God? It's because we, we manufacture miracles, don't we? Doctors do all of our healing. Professional preachers do all our praying. 
Educated people do all of our witnessing. So there's no reason to believe in miracles. There's, there's no reason for it in America. There's really no reason for miracles in, in America because we settle for less things that we've made for ourselves. And so here's the deal, and it became known throughout all Joppa, and many, watch this, believe in the Lord. Listen to me, when true awakening comes, God accompanies the awakening with signs and wonders. So if you're seeing signs and wonders, awakening must be coming. And I can tell you in my own life, in the life of this church, and other churches, we're seeing miracles, signs, and wonders taking place. So he's getting ready to do something, but if you're at a wall and can't scale the wall to go where they are, you'll just stay there and they'll bypass you. They'll go on. You'll still get to be in the church and get to be a part of that. But Rick, I don't want to just sit here and be a part of that. I want to scale the wall. I want to go where God wants me to be. I want to be a part of the movement, not not just a a card-carrying Baptist. I, I, I want to be a miracle walking Christian. Don't ask me to say that again because I can't. But now think about this for just a moment. At this moment, God's working in Peter. There are several things I want you to know about Peter is this. Number one, he was setting the pace for the church. It was his job to set the pace. He was the top apostle. He was the one that God had chosen and the most unlikely one. The one that kept his foot in his mouth all the time. Should he have been the one? The one who denied the Lord three times, should he have been the one? And sometimes I think in my own life, should I be the one? And should you be the one? Should God be working in you? Are you, do you say, not me, Lord. I just want to go to church. Well, friend, God had a call up on Peter's life. Remember, they were walking one day in Matthew chapter 16, and the scripture says that Jesus looked at them and he said, who do men say that I am? They began to say what the people around them were saying, and he looked at Peter and he said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter got it right. He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. He said, now watch this. And Peter, you are a little rock, but on this rock, me, the big rock, Jesus, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail. And then he said this. He said, but Peter, I give you the keys to the kingdom, and that which that you open, I'll open. That which you bind, I bind. Now, we look at that and we move along, but listen to me. You are key to the movement of God. You set the pace in Jackson. Not just Jackson First Baptist Church, but every Bible-believing church sets the pace in a local city. What happens? Now, I'll get back to that in a moment. Think about Peter on the day of Pentecost. He preached, and so he took the first key of the kingdom of God, and he unlocked it, and so the church began, and they witnessed to everybody. The Bible said they filled Jerusalem with the truth. So there, Peter was for this. He was setting the pace. And friend, you set the pace in this house, don't you? I cannot tell you how much thankful I am for you. Nobody comes here that I know of in the years that I've been here, maybe the first year a little bit as we were learning how to love again together as we went through a hard, going through a hard time. But when people come here, they're loved on. I never have a visitor, Michael. We never have visitors say, those are the nicest people in the world. You're always nice and loving and caring and kind. I mean, wherever we, no matter what event we have, other preachers come here and they say, that's the kindest people I've ever been around. You just have, you have, you, you, you have that. You've unlocked the key of fellowship. But have you unlocked the key out in the field? That is the next level, correct? That is the key out in the, in the next level for you. But, but if you never get to the field, if you always stand there in front of the wall and, and decorate your wall and do programs in the church and be a part of the church and busy in the church, listen to me, some of you are getting this, some of you are not getting this, and so, so some of you hadn't got it for years, and so, I, so just keep building on your wall. I love you. I'll visit you at the wall every once in a while, but I'm not going to hang out at the wall. Just not going to hang out at the wall. 
just not going to hang out at the wall. And I don't want you to hang out at the wall. Many of you are new. You're not at the wall, and God wants to, wants to work in your life. So Peter did that, but then watch this, that when Stephen w- w- was stoned to death, he's rocked to sleep. The, the Bible said they'd had to push out in Samaria. And in Acts chapter 8, Peter went down into Samaria. He saw the work. Did he not, Michael? He saw the work. He prayed for them, and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now watch, the second key was unlocked. So now they're in Samaria, they're on the outskirts, but now watch this, just 30 miles away from where he was, was down in Joppa, which, which had some Gentiles in it, and 30 more miles down in Caesarea was literally hundreds of thousands of people called Gentiles who had never heard the gospel. Do you know, dear friend, you don't have to go 60 miles, you can go 60 feet. Now watch this, for eight years, for eight years you and I have been in the house together, and it's been a blessing, hasn't it? God's been good to us. I think you'd have to admit it, whether you liked it or not, if that would be the case, that for eight years, even many, many years of that, the gospel is always preached here. But now watch this. You have the key to the kingdom. No one's going to walk the aisle on Sunday if no one has unlocked the key out there to reach them. You see, Peter, Peter had, had this problem. And you may, not, you may never have heard of it before. It may be a weird disease. It's the word prejudice. So Peter, Peter uh, listen to me, he, he, was, he had this problem. You see, he set the pace, but secondly, write this down, he was blinded by the prejudice of his day. Now, listen to me, the prejudices of our day is a little bit different, isn't it? Tony Murata in his commentary that we've been using in our community group, so I, think so, I just, just laid it out really straight. Listen to what he says, and I'm quoting from him. He says, what is your disposition when you encounter a person? He started naming the person. Remember, they did this if you read the material. A person with tattoos and multiple piercings. When you're introduced to a same-sex couple or encounter a cross-dresser when, when paying for your groceries. How do you speak and act when introduced to those whose po- politics are opposite of yours? What about when you meet a Muslim family new in your neighborhood? Are you and your friends unaffected by elitism, exclusivism, discrimination that pervade our society? He goes on and said, this text should teach us that that no wall should keep Christians from offering the gospel to people. Now, what Southern Baptists do is this. In the church, brother, we did, well, I preach, you just talk about all them sinners right there. Now, are you saying that we we are to be for the sin? No, no. But the way that you couch yourself in delivering the, the truth. You see, what I've discovered is if, if, if it's somebody like me who's going through something like me, I have a tendency to love them, but if I don't, they're not like me and they're going through something else, I, I have a tendency to kind of stay away from that. And God forbid in many churches that we have these traditional walls up. Peter had a wall up. His wall that was prejudiced. And listen to me, God never told them to do that. Under the law, they, they, were to be, they were to be different because God was positioning them to live in a certain way, to be an example in a certain way. But Miss Dine, he never told them not to love the lost people. He never told them to hate them and to put them down and misuse them and not to open your door and not to have a meal with them and not to care about them and not to love them. He never said that. And I want to tell you that many of us are at a wall of some type, maybe something else. I don't know what it would be. Some of you may be thinking that I want our preachers talking about who in the church has got a wall. I, I don't know. I, I just know this, that in the church of this size, when only 30 people get saved over nine months and baptized, you look at the numbers based on who comes, 300 to 350. When you look at that number, somebody's not sharing their faith. Is that true? 
But am I off base? If I'm off base, forgive me, brothers and sisters. Forgive me this morning. I've challenged our pastors that every week now on Monday when our, our pastors meet, we're going to report to each other that we've at least one, one person that we've personally one-on-one shared the gospel. I've already got mine. One-on-one that we've shared the gospel with. Because it's, it's not just you. It's just what happens is, is the church gets busy. If people are just busy and these walls just kind of come up and you don't even realize that they are because you hear all these things, all this hatred in our society today. And next thing you know, you walk up to a person who you've never met before in your life and because they've got a tattoo on their arm, you, you may be thinking, what kind of heathen is that? So there's an Old Testament principle. I'll debate with you later. Please email me at Eric at jacksonfbc.com and I'll be willing to debate with you. I'm, seriously, I would be willing to sit with you. Pastor Keith at jacksfbc.com. I'd be willing to sit with you because many of us are tied up in religion and not in the truth because when Jesus came and redeemed, do you know that, that Isaiah prophesied 700 years before Jesus came that Gentiles would come to faith? So the Jewish people could not say that what they were doing was of God. They just had, they didn't want to admit it, but the truth is that they didn't like people because they built this wall. And so listen to me, Peter was blind. He said, how do you know? Look in chapter 10, the Bible says, verse 1, at Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, who was known as an, an Italian cohort. He had 100 people underneath him. He was a devout man who feared God with all his household. That's probably some of you in this room. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to, the God, to God. You know what? He was a good man, but he was a lost man. He began to follow Judaism because he was looking for the truth. And he'd read just enough of Brother Larry of the Old Testament to understand there must be a God. And he was struggling to find out who he was. He wasn't saved. The Bible says an angel on the ninth hour of the day came and spoke to him. Verse 4 says he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And the angel said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended to the memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who's called Peter. He's lodging with Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea. And we know according to chapter 11 that the angel actually also said, he's got a message that he will share with you that you might be saved. Now listen to me, friend. Listen to me. If you set the pace for a city and a church, and you get blinded. Now watch this. No, no people will come to you and say, I had a vision of God, and he sent me to you. In Marotta's book and, and so many other hundreds of books of the years, the stories are told over and over and over again of somebody that, that just all of a sudden comes over to somebody. It says, in the vision, I had a dream that I was to come and see you and, and to talk to you. I don't, know, I don't know if the hundreds of times in my life that I've been in places where that, that somebody would just come up to me. Someone came up to me as I, I was in this place just trying to survive Friday. I was in Hobby Lobby, guys. Can you feel sorry for me? And people just that need the Lord. They just come from everywhere. If you are sensitive, you say, preacher, I, I just don't have that in my life. Listen to me. It, it, it may be a wall, maybe a prejudice, or it just may be a wall that you're just too busy with the things of the world. It may be just a wall that you never, ever thought that God could do this in you. I want to tell you today, no matter who you are, you say, I don't, I don't know much about the Bible. I'm just saved. Listen, you know enough to lead somebody to Jesus. If you tell them how you came to Jesus. Share the story of Christ. You say, I, I, I'm just, one guy told me this week, I, I, I don't share because I'm just afraid I won't say the right thing. Well, you, you're saying the wrong thing, but say nothing. So just let God use you. God use you. And so, so this guy sends two men to Peter, uh, to Peter. Now think about this fact. God was ready to launch the kingdom. He'd already redeemed Paul. He was ready to go. 
But for him to go, Peter had to unlock the key to go. And listen to me, First Baptist Church, the young ones are ready to go. First Baptist Church, we believe that God is raising up students and college kids and young adults and middle-aged adults and senior adults to go locally, nationally, and globally and to reach the world. But you have the key. Deacons and staff members of this church, we got the key. And if we don't open the key and if you don't walk through the doors that are open, friend, this city would die without Jesus. And so they come and Peter, typical Baptist as he was, the Bible says in verse 9, he came and he went up to the housetop about the sixth hour, about noon to pray, and he became hungry. Now do you see the Baptist in the room? He became hungry and he wanted something to eat, but while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and he saw the heavens open, something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. There came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now here's the, th the scene. In the Old Testament, Leviticus 11, they had the dietary laws. There are certain things they were not to eat because of disease. They're not prepared correctly. There are certain things they were not to eat because it was a testimony to the pagans who were worshiping these animals as their idols. There were those that they were not thought to eat because it was showing the difference that they were dedicated to God. But when Christ came, he fulfilled all of that. And now that the four corners of the earth, the sheet coming out, representing all points on the compass was coming down. And God says in there represents metaphorical. This is representing lost people. Peter, participate. Now watch what Peter said. That's what he said. He said in verse 14, by no means, Lord. One author put it this way. You can say to God, no, and you can say to God, Lord. But you cannot say no, Lord, because they are opposites. You cannot say. So if he is your Lord and you're saying on Sunday, no, that means either he's not your Lord or you've walked away from fellowship. And the scripture says that the voice came to him again. This is God. It came to him a second time saying, what God has made clean, do not call common. So, friend, I want to tell you this today, that Peter struggled with this. You see, that he struggled with this. And, and, and listen to me. He was blinded by the prejudice. But then thirdly, watch this. His wall is about to be broken down by God. God tells him three times to do this. And I want you to think about this, that when Christ came to Ephesians 2, 11 through 14, Christ says this, those of you who are far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You see what that means is this, those that would never go to church, God reached out through Christ and brought them near. First Baptist Church, you, you, I, I sometimes I, I'd like to spiritually just go whack in love. Do you know that all these families that are coming and joining our church, it's God drawing them. It's God drawing them. Think about this for a moment. Some of you are witnessing, sharing your faith. To keep on, but many of us, the truth of the matter is, we, we, we've been invited a soul this week. We were so busy and so wrapped up with, with the wall, we never even got around to it. We intended to do it. And you know what? And so all these people come. We sing a clap. Listen, it was a sign and a wonder. There's a couple sitting right back there. God brought them to our church. I never visited them. And I don't want to embarrass you. I want to ask you to stand up and speak because you'd pass out. I know back there would not do that. But God just watches. They swear we need to go to church. And God said, they're going to go here. If God's doing those signs and wonders, imagine what miracles would happen if you and I would take this step now and let God break down our walls. Whatever your wall is, some of you, your wall is this. That ain't my thing, preacher. That's just not my thing, preacher. I, I, you're talking about soul winning. No, I'm not. I'm talking about souling and watering. God is the winner. 
I just want to tell you today. So preacher, you just put me down. I am not. I'm just telling you, you're at a wall. If you, are you happy at your wall? And when I just see you on Sunday morning, can I tell you, there's a lot of walls in this house. Streets are full of lost people, a lot of walls that need to come down. I don't know what yours is. The Bible says that Peter comes down. He's perplexed by it. These guys come in, and Michael, he takes the right step because he invites them to stay the night. He would have never done that before, and so he invites them. And so the next day, it takes them two days. They go, oh, I wish I had so much more time here to share that with you. They go, and the Scripture says, Notice this in verse 21. In verse 21, and Peter went down to the men and said, I'm, all, I'm one, and you are one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, an upright, God-fearing man, has sent us to come. So he invited me to the guests. So the next day they went, verse 24. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was, was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. It was the first ever community group. So they're there, and listen to me. When Peter entered, he told him the story. They actually bowed down to Peter, and he said, no, 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 verse 26, stand up. He said, I, I, I'm to a man. And the Scripture says, now notice this in verse 28, and he said to them, this is Peter, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate or to visit anyone of another nation. It's kind of like somebody saying, well, I was told never to play cards. That's another message. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Write this down. Peter said, I was wrong. Can you say that today? Peter said here that he was wrong and that, that he needed to be right. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. Think about this, friend. Could it be that maybe you need to go back to somebody and seek their forgiveness? Could it be that you're the reason that they are locked up at their wall because your wall and their wall crash together. They're on their side lobbing stuff at you and you're on yours lobbing stuff at them. Am I preaching right or not? And the sad thing is this, you're in bondage and they're going to hell. Let God deliver you. Cornelius tells his side of the story. Down in verse 33, he says, so I sent for you at once and you've been kind enough. If, if he really knew Peter's heart. You see, God knows your heart and my heart. He knows our hearts. And so the Scripture says, so, so now we're all here in your presence, Peter, to hear all that you've been commanded by the Lord. And so Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand. Write this down. Peter said, I understand that God shows no partiality. Now watch the gospel. He began to preach the gospel. He said this, you knew what happened in Judea beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. You might want to write this down in your notes or in your Bible. Here is a gospel presentation, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. The Messiah came. That's the gospel. The Messiah came. Now watch this. The Bible says here, the God of the Scriptures, he went about doing good. Now watch this. Not only did the Messiah come, but the Messiah cared. He cared. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. And we are witnesses of all that he did in both the country of the Jews and Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. The Messiah came. The Messiah cared. The Messiah was crucified. He was buried, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and made him to appear. Watch this. The Messiah conquers not to all the people, but to all of us who have chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people. 
and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. Now, here it is. To him, all the prophets bearing witness that everyone who believes in him receives, here it is, friends, forgiveness of sins for those who believe. Now watch, I repent or I was wrong, I understand, and I believe. Write it down, I believe. Do you believe that God can save them as he did you? Here's what's so amazing about this. As Peter was saying these words, suddenly the Holy Spirit fell upon them. I just love it when people don't wait for you to give the invitation that they just respond to God's invitation. That you just stand up and say, I, I, I know, Miss Lisa, that you got just a little bit more in children's church to share today, but I got saved and I want to tell you. I know that there's just a little bit more in our community group, but I'm going to tell you, last night God came in the room of my house and told me that he came as the Messiah, that he cared for me, and even though he was crucified, he conquered, that I can conquer anything through his blood, and I got saved. That's what I want to be a part of. And then I want to be a part of people growing. And so, Peter, you know what Peter said? How can I prevent baptism from those who have been saved? I think that the truth of the matter is I come to this is this, that if we're honest with each other, friends, there's some things we need to do. Number one is this, we need to tear down our walls. I don't know what yours are, but I just want to encourage you with this. Valuing people is essential to leading them to Jesus. Valuing people. If you look at someone who's in a mess and you can contribute to help them out of their mess, will you value them? You see, friends, today, you can fight it, you can, you can deal with it all the time, but if you'll just repent and be obedient. Now watch this. Some of you need to seek the forgiveness of those you've wronged. Somebody you wronged back all the way back there in high school, they're still lost. You need to get it right. Some of you just need to do this. You need to train yourself in the gospel. You need to learn, again, a simple gospel outline that says Christ came. Christ cares, Christ was crucified, risen, buried, and rose again, and is coming again, and Christ conquers all who believe on Him. Thank you for joining the movement. We hope that you would reach out to us at info at jacksonfbc.com with your questions, and check out more of our ministries at jacksonfbc.com.